Hi, everybody, and welcome to more of a comment than a question. My name is Smoothie Mehta, and joining me is my co-host, Paul Connor. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Smoothie? I'm doing well, too. Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, yeah, got a couple of things done and working on some things that I'm excited about. So that has been nice. Excellent. Yeah. What are, you, what yeah. are those things that you're excited about? Um, so I'm, I think I might've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'm helping convert the course that I'm teeing for, um, in the fall to a remote format. So still working on that. That's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm also, I was creating a resource for other professors, like in the department to be able to convert their courses to a remote format. Um, that's been great. I've been, um, working with, um, this organization perts and helping them with some data. And that's been nice. Like I'm, getting to use more R and learning, you know, um, learning relational databases and sort of figuring out how to make sense of their data schemas and stuff. So it's, it's, it's exciting. Like I have been enjoying that. Cool. Remote yeah. learning that maybe we could do a podcast about that. Cause I know you've been, uh, paying a lot of attention to that and I guess it's relevant to everybody now. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of remote, like the, the thing, the things that are applicable, like good teaching is good teaching, right? So the same principles that apply in regular teaching also apply in remote teaching. It's just we have to find a way to do it online, right? But I think the same principles apply. Make sure kids are interacting with each other, right? Make sure you are available and it, you know, you sort of care about their growth. And I heard so. that uh, teaching doesn't actually matter that much, though. <laughs> okay, so that brings <laughs> us to our topic for today. Um, do you want to introduce... You know. Yes. Um, so I guess our topic broadly is education. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, why did we want to? We, well, a couple of reasons we thought we wanted to talk about this. One was mm-hmm. um, one podcast that we listened to, uh, Blocked and Reported, had a guest, Freddie DeBoa, who's kind of an mm-hmm. interesting lefty writer with some interesting takes on education. Uh, and I know you disagreed with a lot of his takes. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to uh, hear your critique of his critique of the mm-hmm. uh, education establishment. And also, yeah. like, this is your area. This is what you do. And um, uh, on that, actually, so we should just say a quick thank you to Daniel Larkins. Uh, who yeah, thank you, Daniel. tweeted yeah. about our podcast and basically is the only reason anybody <laughs> is listening to us. So <laughs> we really appreciate that. But he also messaged me and he said that uh, he wants to hear <laughs> more from you <laughs> and less from me, <laughs> which totally fair enough. So this is this is really my attempt to, you know, give you the floor a bit more. But I, I mean, I'll probably end oh. up talking too much still anyway. But, probably. Uh, and that's okay with me I, uh, and I think a lot of the things we talk about are more relevant to your research interests in terms of like bias and you know um, racial divides and so I think that totally makes sense but uh, yeah I'm happy to talk about what I'm interested in um, so let's talk about this cult of smart um, podcast um, Freddie DeBauer what did you think of his like well, what would you describe as his thesis yeah, good question. Um, so, yeah, Freddie DeBauer, he's written a book called The Cult of Smart. Um, mm-hmm. And he he has worked as an educator uh, and he's, he's a socialist. Um, but he has, I think, quite an interesting take on education. Um, 
because he like he doesn't actually think that schools can make that much difference like he he has um he's talked a lot about how people in the education field uh, just have a kind of willful ignorance of um how little uh schooling actually makes a difference when you control for things like a child's innate ability uh, a child's home environment and all the things that the child themselves brings to their schooling. Um, uh, you know, he's sort of talked about evidence that um, for the most part, kids sort of separate into um, ability bands based on like how much talent they show for education um, in the early years of schooling. And then for the rest of their schooling, there's really not much movement between ability bands. And a lot of the things that like education researchers like yourself like to sort of believe about our ability to sort of um, step in with interventions and make these huge impacts and sort of take kids from the bottom of the class to the top of the class, in reality, like that's just not, doesn't really uh, happen and it's not within our power. So he argues for some, uh, I think what he calls radical, radical pessimism, um, in, uh, in terms of just what we can actually achieve with schooling. Um, yeah, but you said you you disagreed with a lot of um, the points that he made. So, like, yeah, yeah we should un- unpack that. Unpack that, yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, most of the things coming out of his mouth, I kind of disagreed with. So okay. Well, like what? Because I I really like Ferdinand. I think he's a great writer, and I I'm very I'm kind of sympathetic to his views. But I, I also think you have interesting you have an interesting perspective that provides a, a good counter to some of his views as well. Yeah. So let me just start out by saying that no, like I don't deny, and I don't think most education researchers would deny that kids start out with different at different levels of baseline ability and i use that word carefully because they keep calling like they keep saying things like at least in the podcast um him and jesse single kept saying like intrinsic ability or innate ability or innate talent right i like i don't buy those concepts and i think it's okay to say yes everybody starts out at a different baseline we all obviously have like you know different genes different environments different home environments um, different nutrition, different, you know, air quality, everything, right? Like all people all around the world start out at a different baseline. But the idea, what what sounds to me like what he was trying to argue is that, but people have like this fixed innate amount of ability and that that just doesn't change. And I don't agree with that. And I think you know this already, right? Like, I, like talent or ability is not something that you just have a finite amount of that just remains static throughout your life that just is not true it's not like i can like personally just from observing like i've taught before both in at a charter school and at like just a regular school um and just from what i knew from neuroscience right like your your mental abilities are just networks right and the more you practice a, a, a network right it gets stronger you develop connections like it, it just the idea that cognitive ability is just something you have or you don't or you have like some well, finite amount of it's just like you're starting out with just a very wrong assumption I, just, I think well i want to make sure we're talking about the same thing here but because mm-hmm. obviously if you take a five-year-old of sort of yeah. average intelligence mm-hmm. and they go through schooling 
Um, and they come out at the other end after their 12th Mm -hmm. year of schooling, they're a lot smarter than they were at five. Yeah. So he's not saying that he's definitely not saying that you don't get smarter. You don't learn things at school. I I think what he's saying is, uh, your sort of, um, your relative performance compared to others doesn't, doesn't change. Right. Um, yeah. So your rank order will still be the same, right? right? If you were at the bottom of the class right. in first grade, you will still remain on the, yeah. at the bottom of the class. And this is, I mean, intelligence, for example, gets more heritable, um, the, the lifespan, right? So like among elderly people, there's estimates of like 80% her- heritability for IQ. So what does that mean? I don't okay. So, uh, in twin studies, uh, they look at, um, how similar uh, monozygotic twins, so identical mm-hmm. twins that share all their genes, right. uh, and how similar uh, dizygotic twins who share 50% of their genes, right? So if you mm-hmm. see, for example, that um, monozygotic twins are much more similar than dizygotic mm-hmm. twins, this is um, taken as evidence for an influence of genetics. And so you sort of use those correlations, those two correlations, to estimate the percent of a a trait uh, in a particular environment, because this is something about heritability not everybody always understands, is that it's specific yeah, to a particular environment. In different contexts. And yeah. sort of in the current environment, so like present-day USA, um, IQ is just, it's highly heritable, and it gets more heritable as life goes on. And the theory is that, you know, your genes shape your environment gradually. So there's an interaction between your genes and your environment. So this is why we see much higher heritability among um, much older adults. And by the sort of, by the time we're old, it's like, yeah, IQ scores, the estimate is they're like 80% heritable. So I think like, don't, yeah, I, I guess, guess what I'm saying is I don't try to argue that we don't have innate like levels oh, again, of ability because I'm, this is no, no, pretty no. well established. Yeah, no, no. I'm not saying that, but what, what, what do we mean by innate ability? It's not like everybody, again, like everybody starts out at a different level hmm. And you might stay on the same, like you might remain in, like your rank might remain the same throughout your education, mm. but you yourself are getting yeah. better at things, right? You yourself are improving yeah. from who you were. And isn't that the goal of education? Yeah, and that's, yeah. I think, really comes to the heart of where I just disagree with some people. Because like the idea of giving kids a good education is not so they'll be better than other people. It's so that they will be the best version of themselves, right? Like all else being equal, you should want your child, right? Like I'm not saying that everybody can be a genius or everybody can keep working hard and then turn into Einstein. That's not the point. The point is if you keep pushing yourself, you'll keep getting better than who you were before or Mm -hmm. or your abilities will keep getting better. And you don't know where that limit is unless you push it, right? Like there's no way to know how smart a kid is going to be unless they're, right? And so this idea that, oh, because you will still be at the bottom of the class, like, no, but that's not the point. The point is you should try to become the best version of yourself, right? People need to be able to reach their potential. Like, so, and I don't know if this is still true. When we were talking about intelligence when I was in college, right, was, okay, everybody sort of is born with, like, your genes sort of determine this range that you fall will fall within, right? And you, you can't go below it and you can't get past it. But within that range, right, your environment then determines where you fall within that range, Right. So the idea is good education means you're trying to get kids to like the maximum of that limit, whatever that limit might be. Yeah, like I I think I agree with that. Um, But I think what 
Freddie would then say is like, well, show me the evidence that we can step in and make the schools much better. Um, like, cause you're like an education researcher and you're talking about, well, I want to, I want people to achieve their potential. I don't care if they're at the bottom mm-hmm. of the class. I want the kid at the bottom of the class to be doing a lot better um, in the future than the kid at the bottom of the class is doing now. And, and mm-hmm. at the top of the class, right? You want them all to do right. better, right? Yes. And I think he would argue that the evidence is relatively weak, that there's much that we can do to uh, change schools to really make much of a, a difference. Um, but schools do make a difference, right? Well, schools, I, yeah, schools make a difference. Like you're definitely like it's you're better off going through 17 years of schooling or 12 mm-hmm. years of schooling than being raised by wolves. But I, like how much better off am I? The question to me is like if Smriti Mehta gets given, you know, $10 trillion to like revolutionize the schools, schooling mm-hmm. system, um, how much better off am I going to be compared to um, – compared to how I am with the schooling system now. Oh, a lot. I mean, the one thing you would, the first thing I would do if I had $10 trillion would make sure each kids get like one-on-one tutoring. Well, there really is no substitute for just like, right? Because like, and this is where just, it really annoys me when people think of educate, like teaching kids as something that's like a means to an end. It's really not right. Like, and kids want to learn. Like, you see it all the time, with right? Like, kids want to learn, but it the way we structure education is, right, that some kids just get left behind. And there's so many there's so many things that come into play, right? Teacher expectations plays a huge role, right? So if you come in the class and you just, the kid, the teacher thinks you're stupid, you, right? You, there's a Pygmalion effect, right? Like, teacher expectations actually have a lot of, I know that that has not, there's some, debate about that specifically but i can tell you there's other research that has looked at like teacher expectations do have a huge influence on student performance and there's other things right but i think the idea is not like i i was with you like i was i was really with you especially when you said this one-on-one tutoring so i was reading this meta-analysis from 2017 this morning looking Mm -hmm. at all sorts of interventions uh focused on randomized control trials and one-on-one tutoring was tutoring was the thing um, mm-hmm. that had the biggest You effect. can't beat it. And it yeah, was, there's um, no way. Like a Cohen's D of about uh, 0.3 to 0.4. Point, so like 0.4, yeah. A third, of, a third of a standard deviation to 0.4 of a standard deviation, mm-hmm. which is not like mind-blowing, but it is pretty substantial mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Of course, we, we, we have extra resources. We have one-on-one tutoring for a kid. Um, obviously, and that's how you figure out where the where disconnect at. is yeah, happening, yeah, right? Exactly. Where they're at, and you meet them. Yeah, you you push them at their level. Yeah, and I think I agree with you because I like I was listening to De Freddie Deboer on a different podcast, and he was talking about charter schools, and he was talking about mm-hmm. how all these billionaires are trying to fund charter schools because they think they're right. going to be the one that revolutionizes ex- education mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They should be yeah. giving their money to one-on-one tutoring. Yeah, and I actually um, I think. So I used to work at um, a volunteer at this place called College Track in Oakland, mm. and that's nice. exactly what they do. And it was funded by Steve Jobs's wife. So I okay. think he's leaving out. He is leaving out part of the story because College mm. Track is effective, and essentially what they do is like it's an after-school place that kids can come. And the whole goal of the place is to get kids into college from high school. So like, yeah. 
And largely what they offer is one-on-one tutoring from um, volunteer tutors. And I think they pay some people as well. Um, I was just voluntary. And um, yeah, I stopped doing it for two reasons. One, I got really busy with grad school. And two, they kept asking me to tutor kids in calculus, which I'm just like not very good at. So like it was, it was a bit frustrating because I'd like work with a kid and just we'd be like banging our heads against problems and like take like an hour to like figure out a single problem sometimes. So like... But then, then you get it and then it's... Yeah, yeah, totally. And then theoretically, you can do problems that are just like that. Right. Uh, But then like, that's not how calculus is taught. They're going to (laughs) throw more weird stuff at you. But yeah, so yeah, the one-on-one tutoring thing, and it's very intuitive. Um, I would also say, though, that that same meta-analysis really showed very little effect of psychological interventions. Uh, So I think that is a critique you have to take on board as well, because I know like, yeah, if you had $10 trillion, you'd probably give every kid um, uh, one-on-one tutoring. One-on-one but tutoring. I mean, a lot of what you're studying is more like those psychological in- mm-hmm. interventions, I would say, like this growth mindset stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good... Yeah, that is something I should address. Now, I will say, like, if I was a better person than I am, I would be like a high school math teacher. <laughs> right. but, but it's not... Like, teaching children is just... It's difficult, it's like thankless, and it just takes, it takes a lot out of you. But it's, I think one of the, 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 the best things somebody can do is like try to teach children. But anyway, so like the, the that, reason I... I can't I, believe you just said that. Like I almost, you almost never hear researchers admit that. That like that what? we're kind of taking the easy way out and we're not oh, like not oh, being Vibra. like in, you know, uh, getting our hands dirty and being the boots on the ground. You don't think, like, I think that's so true. Like, I'm definitely taking, like, yeah, if I was not, if I was a better person, definitely, I would be a teacher. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I, I think you're a terrible person. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Um, here's the thing, though. Um, again, like, so tutoring, one-on-one tutoring, of course, you can't beat it, right? But that is just so expensive in terms of time and money, right? The other thing is, I'm a social psychologist, right? Like, I've... I'm a social psychologist heart, at heart, and I knew that very long ago. Um, and I do think that, and motivation is, academic motivation is really what my focus is, right? It's not education broadly, it's academic motivation. So um, there are people who, no matter what the classroom context is, will be motivated, I think, in a classroom. And there are some people who, no matter what you do, they will not care, Right. But I think there's a huge chunk in the middle that can do a lot better if they were motivated to do better, right? Like even a lot of these tutoring programs, a lot of stuff. So I tutored high school math um, at a charter school in Sacramento for a little bit. And hardly anybody came to me to ask for help, right? It would be like one or two students that were regulars. Now, I was available to offer a help to anybody that wanted to get it. But just if you don't have the motivation to make use of the resources that are available, then you won't, right? And so that's really where I come in. I think is my goal to like figure out ways or change the way people are thinking about things that might lead them to be more motivated to seek out these resources, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that exists. I mean, Khan Academy exists, right? There's no reason why a, a, a student couldn't just... But again, I think motivation plays a huge, huge role, in in academic outcomes um and maybe i'm wrong about that but that's kind of how i think about it um 
And so that's, I think that's, that's the reason I focus on social psychological interventions. I, I don't, I don't think they're quick fixes. I don't think they're going to help everybody, but I do think that pushing people in like subtle ways that might change their mindset and get them to push themselves a little bit harder. Um, I think there is some value in that. Uh, okay. So like what, what kind of, how you, how do we make more people motivated? What, what are these changes that you envision in, in terms of how people are approaching their education? Wow. These are big questions. I'm not, I don't even feel qualified to answer them, but I'll, I can just tell you what I think. Um, so I mean, I mean, we, we've spoken, we've talked about growth mindset before, so I will kind of talk a little bit about that, right? The idea, and I think people misunderstand what growth mindset means quite often. And the idea behind growth mindset is this very simple idea that people think of intelligence, and this, I think, comes to the cult of smart, mm. um, the, the, the what he's talking about, right? Mm. That people tend to think of, like, there's people who either think of intelligence as something that's fixed, that, fixed, that doesn't change, or you can think of your intelligence and your cognitive abilities as something that can be improved with just time and practice and trying different things. Right? And that if you hold one or the other belief that that determines your behavior and your motivation. Right? So, and that, that also seems quite intuitive, right? If you don't like if 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 going to the gym made no difference to any if you thought that going to the gym makes no difference, then you wouldn't go to the gym. Right. But nobody nobody challenges the fact that if you were to go and work out every single day, there is no way that you wouldn't get stronger and fitter, right? Like that's could kind plateau. of impo- you could oh absolutely you could definitely plateau, but you but but plateau also just you are also not declining, yeah. right? If you're plateauing, yeah. So something is happening that's sort of keeping yeah, you, yeah. right? Um, but somehow like that people don't think that that's true of intelligence or like any kind of cognitive ability. And I so like I think so often of this one exchange we had mm. when we read this paper um, in Stephen's Journal Club um, that was about is it practice or natural ability that determines chess performance, right? Performance. And so there was this paper, um, I forget the name of the authors, but fantastic paper where they looked at people who played chess. And it's much easier to look at how much you practice because people, you mm. know, participate in these tournaments. So you can tell how much somebody has practiced and you can, you will have a measure of their, they had measures of their numeric ability. And so they compared both two, like which one is it that determines success, right? And wins are easier to um, determine in chess. And what they found was that at lower levels of practice, you see this huge gap between people who had low versus high numeric ability. Mm. And at high levels of really high levels of practice, you also see this big gap. But in like moderate amounts of practice, that gap almost like diminishes, right? So that a moderate amount of practice it doesn't matter what you're right. Like you could bring up your performance, even if you have, even if your natural ability isn't that great by just practicing more. Um, and so where was I going with that? <laughs> uh, you said that it's something that you're always reminded of um, in the context of people thinking that their abilities are, like fixed. fixed right yeah malleable. yeah and the idea is if you think if you think they're fixed then right aren't you would be more or less likely to try to get better at it right and i think for a lot of people they mm-hmm. get into this mindset of i'm not a math person i remember hearing this when i first moved here like in college somebody was like oh i'm not a math person and i was like 
that's not a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Because when I grew like when I was growing up, right, we were told math is just about practice, right? The more you practice, the better you get at it. Hmm. I was also told that you play chess to get smart. And I think you mentioned that you were told or you thought that only smart people played chess, mm. right? So I think there's these stark differences that stand out to me in these mindsets that I think determine behavior. That's, that's why you see, I was speaking to the professor at the College of Education and we were talking about growth mindset and he's like, yeah, I think inherently a lot of Asian students hold more of a growth mindset, right? Like imagine being, I mean, I'm technically Asian, right? Like I'm Indian and there's other Asian students. Like, imagine going home and saying, oh, I'm just not a math person. Your parents would be like, the hell you are not. Like, <laughs> just like sit down and work on it, right? And so much of it is just like banging your head against it till you get it. And I'm not saying that it doesn't come easy to some people, right? Like it comes super easy to some people. And for some people, it will take so long and it's frustrating. And I, and I get that, right? But the idea is you will keep getting better. And if you don't expect that to happen then you likely won't put in the effort. And I've seen it in other domains, right? Like music. Some people say, oh, I have no music talent. And I'm like, sure, but you start at a baseline, but you can get better. If it's something you really cared about, if it's something you were really motivated to get better at, then of course you would get better at it, right? Yeah. So first of all, I think like it's a perfect um, sort of motto for India is like India, technically Asia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah secondly okay i i agree and i i really think i'm coming around to your um your way of thinking about this um i i think like one thing that i am interested in is okay so like every kid you're saying like has a band within Mm -hmm. which they can they can grow uh and they have their own potentials but different kids have very different um different bands of potential. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if, so I wonder if you take the kid who, you know, is on the lower side of the, the natural ability scale. Um, and the message to them is like, look, you're, you're never going to be at the top of the class, but you can improve on where you are now. Like you can become the best version of yourself and it might be really, really hard for you uh, to do these things, but, um, you know, uh, you'll, you'll, you know, you, you can be better tomorrow than you are today. And, and sort of, so, but my, my question is like in your idealized world where this kid is totally inspired by the idea of, you know, getting better at music or getting better at algebra or getting better at Mm -hmm. something that they're not very naturally good at. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, you're asking them to accept a worldview um, that is condescending towards them, right? So, like, if you want the kid who's not naturally good at maths at all, you want them to really want to be as good as maths at maths as they can, right? Um, you want them to sort of say, uh, well, I'll never be at the top of the class, but I can get I can get better and it's really important to me. I really want to be better at maths. Mm-hmm. And it sort of seems to me that what that runs up against in the world is like in my experience, um, the kids that are like naturally not good at maths, um, 
gain sort of uh, pride and self-respect by sort of rejecting the entire worldview that maths is important, right? So like I yeah. I went to school in, you know, a small country town in Australia mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. called Wangaratta and I went to school with kids, uh, you know, my first few weeks of high school, I'll never forget, like it was amazing to me because all through primary school, my assumption was every time you got a test, you were trying to ace it, right? That was like the point. And you were always, you were trying to race and and beat other kids and you were trying to like get perfect grades and stuff like that. And you were, you know, and I, the first, the first few tests that I took in high school um, where all these sort of kids from different areas of the town sort of came together in the one school. I remember like, I got like perfect marks on some like maths test or something like that. And, and the kids, um, a lot of the kids, the kids that I was friends with in that class, like sort of looked at me like, what, what did you do that for? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you <laughs> trying? Um, oh and so there, God. there is like, and I think it's, it's related to like a lot of these kids come from like working class backgrounds, you know, their, their parents didn't go to university. Um, but these communities also, and I don't pretend to totally understand these communities, although I am fascinated in it and it's kind of why I study what I study. I think that these communities have a certain pride in sort of rejecting the idea that it's really important to be good at maths or it's really important to go to college. Um, and so they sort of, their kids sort of um, imbibe that through the, the environment they've grown up in and they maybe are not that good at maths themselves, but that doesn't matter because who cares? That's just for the nerds. That's just for the squares. And so they sort of take pride in like other things like being good at sports or being you know courageous or being tough or being like having do you know what I mean like and I yeah I I I just I wonder what happens when your project collides with this kind of working class pride or like rejection of the values um that hold like academic achievement in in such like high regard So here's what I, and I, yeah, you've mentioned this to me before and I've thought about it. Um, like the, so if people are rejecting something just because they're bad at it, that's not a good reason to reject something, right? Like sh- we should, we need to look at what actually is the well, value Or they of... might just not enjoy it or they might just really enjoy but yeah, but, but, but working with the hands or something like other things, right? They might just... Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have some other interests that you want to pursue, right? Like, I, but, I, but I do think that nobody likes feeling incompetent in things, right? I, I think most children start out in school would want to be good at school, right? It, yeah. It's pretty clear that it's something that's valuable to society, to your parents, to your teachers. And I don't think anybody starts out like, oh, I just don't like this, right? Like we want to feel competent and we want to feel like we have um, skills that are yeah, I think that's worthwhile. Probably true. But I also think everybody doing research on this was one of the smart kids or, or like almost all the, like I'm sure you were one of the smart kids. I know I was one of the smart kids and I know that that's going to sound really weird for somebody to actually say that because we have this like we just weird, um, taboos around this topic of intelligence for some reason and so much awkwardness around it but like 
I mean, I knew within a few years of schooling that I was like one of the quote unquote smart kids. And I'm sure you had a similar experience. So like, I guess I don't, I like, I don't know that for sure. Like, I don't know what it's yeah. like to sort sure, of be but, at the but, bottom but of the But what I'm trying to like say from, is that the, the sort of, you know, we don't care about education. It's not that important. I don't think it stems from a, oh, education is not important. It stems from a, I'm not good at it, or this is not working out for me. Like, it's more of a rejection as a, like a, protection of the self right it's like a threat to your self-integrity and you're like okay maybe or or why can't it just be come from a place of well my dad's a truck driver and my dad's just as good as your dad right like see but okay 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 okay. stop 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 because we've and i think this bring gets bring up in the cult of smart idea too and you've brought it up before too i like when when did we start equating how smart you are with how worthy you are or your value as a person i don't think i've ever claimed that i don't think any education researcher claims that right nobody's claiming that by being better in school you're better or but you are saying that you want people to be motivated and to really want to be as good as possible at these skills right so you you you're you're asking them to value these this attainment you're asking them to like say okay well i have this band within which i can move i really want to maximize my potential so you're asking them to like adopt the value that that's a really important skill or feature about themselves okay yeah i do but i will also say that i don't that's not something that i sort of keep within the narrow focus of education and now i'll speak broadly and i know this is going to sound very lofty but i think wanting to learn things and to grow as a person is what I'm really interested Like, that's, I think, my mental goal, right? Like, everybody should try to get better at things and learn things. If, if you realize when you're 12 years old that you want to be a carpenter, go do that, right? But be the best, like, you know, try to do the best job of that that you possibly can, right? I think learning, like, people should want to learn for the sake of learning, which is also why I don't like how much focus gets put on grades and Right. Like it's not a means to an end or even like, oh, we need this degree. It's not just a piece of paper. Right. Like when you're focusing on learning, it's mostly about, you know, building your own skills and just growing as a person. Like shouldn't everybody strive to do that in whatever domain you think is important? Although I will say that I think at least a high school education, like, come on, like that we do need to get everybody through, because if you can't read and write. Yeah. If you can't do math at at least a high school, right? Like you're just not geared for a successful life. Like if you can't do your taxes, if you can't make sense of your, you know, legal documents. Yeah, I that, think right. I, yeah, like I actually think I agree with you on this. Um, yeah. Because so Freddie DeBoer in the discussion, they were sort of talking about, look, even if it was possible to equalize school achievement, and so every single kid is scoring perfectly on the SAT. He sort of says, well, the value of scoring perfectly on the SAT would drop to zero. Right. Um, and then, like, you would just, you would have janitors that scored perfectly on the SAT. And so he's kind of talking about how, like, you know, the, the purpose of the school institution is to sort of rank these kids and give, but it would be fucking awesome if every janitor had scored perfectly on the SAT. Yeah. And I think what I would say to Freddie DeBoer is, like, if if that was the case, I think you would have much better organized labor movements. I think you'd have much better like collective bargaining and you'd probably end yeah. up with a much more equal uh, society. So like, I, I mean, I did in the past sort of look at the sort of growth mindset stuff and say, oh, like, so all you can do is move kids from a D minus to a D. 
And that doesn't matter because those kids don't actually want to be in school anyway. They're, they're, and it's not valuable for them. But I think I'm really coming around to the view that, no, that that is actually important. And we it do. is. And it, like Freddie DeBoer, like I couldn't believe some of the things he was saying, that kids should be allowed to like quit school at 12. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to I get was to like, that. Are you serious? Yeah, that was that was that's pretty out well, there. And he he said like that's his most controversial idea. And some of the things he was saying about like he was like, yeah, they'll just take walks in the woods. They'll read books. Yeah, I was like, and what just, are you <laughs> talking about, man? Like you want to just that's a huge burden on their parents. And also like I'm not letting my twelve year old just go walk in the woods by themselves either. <laughs> yeah. And and they'll probably end up just playing like video games all day. Like that was weird because school is not. Even if a kid doesn't like school, I like, that's where they like learn, fr- that's where they have friends and that's where they like yeah, learn all sorts of stuff. And, and also, right. also mm-hmm. it provides this valuable service to the parents if it gets the kids out of the house so they can go to work mm-hmm. and provide like yeah. for their families. Yeah, that, that part I was like. Re- that part is really? absurd. And it brings us to this point that I've seen other people make too. Um, like there's the other guy who talks about meritocracy a lot. Um and this, this um, like the Cult of Smart guy as well, they talk about as if like getting a high school diploma or getting a college education is just this paper that you now have that just makes you more hireable, right? Like you, you're no different from anybody else, but now you just have this piece of paper that you got because of, you know, your parents had money or whatever, right? Mm. But it's, but that's not the value of a high school or a college education, right? You're building skills that you need or, or at least with college, right? You're building skills that are important in the job market as a result, right? And, and I'm not saying that people can't make their way through college without learning anything. I'm sure that's possible. But for the more, most part, right? Mm. You're learning skills, reading, writing, critical thinking, right? Those skills are what's important and becoming more and more relevant in the job market, right? Now, like if you want to be a truck driver right now, mm. That's a bad idea. Okay, but like, no, I think this is where I do agree with him because the roles that are available in the job market um, are, are kind of, they are what they are. And like, there's nothing that you're going to do to change schooling that's going to change what opportunities, what range of opportunities are available to people. Um, mm-hmm. So in that sense, I I think that he makes a good point, which is that like, if you are trying to create a more equal society, then like you should be focusing somewhere else other than school, because by its very nature, school is a vehicle of inequality in that um, what it does is it sort of sorts out which of the kids get to go to law school and which of the kids don't get even to go to college and they have to like find a job at Costco or something like that. So um, I don't think I don't think you can change what's available in society uh to the the class of 2020 um by you know narrowing the inequality between them in terms of academic outcomes like there still has there's still almost inevitably going to be like ranked against each other some are going to be given better opportunities and some and so like i think like i would i would agree with freddie that like if you you know really like if you want to like make society more equal you should be focused on um not this sort of fantasy idea that like 
no kid in school today is going to end up a janitor because we're going to give them all such good education that none of them will um, have to do that. You should be focusing on, well, we need to increase the pay of janitors. We need like... Oh, definitely. We should increase the pay of, you know, janitors and teachers and everybody. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say my goal is to make society, well, more equal. It, I mean, I, like, to me, it's more important mm. to push people to just mm. reach their potential, right? Mm. And it's sort of... To flourish, human flourishing. F- yeah. Like, I agree and, with that. And I think, and it becomes so tricky, especially when you start talking about educational interventions, right? Because you do notice that things like Head Start, right? Very good intentions, kind of created to help like students at the, like, the lowest levels of SES and stuff to like give them these skills and tools that they needed that they like, right? So because kids who are growing up in higher SES homes, they have people talking to them more. They have, you know, them teaching them alphabets and colors before they even start anything, right? And the other kids don't get that. So the idea was to push, um, to like help augment some of that learning and give it to kids who did not have that. The problem, of course, is that not only do, do like good interventions raise the floor, they also raise the ceiling, right? And so it's not just that, yeah, those kids are being helped. It's that, and, and th- this is what's also really unfortunate because I've been doing more work, um, as you know, on like help-seeking behavior, right? Like mm. what might or might not affect students to like seek help um, who is more likely and who might not be more likely. The problem with that stuff is that, yeah, even if you have things like tutoring or all these other resources, the people who are most likely to make use of them and benefit from them are students who are already doing well, mm-hmm. right? And that's just, and I, yeah, so I like making things equal is, I think, I don't know if it's possible. I don't even know if it's ideal, but it's just not something I personally focus on, right? The idea is not, I think each kid should be challenged at their own level, right? Which means we need to have special ed programs to help those at the lower level. Mm. We need to have gifted programs to help the one, right? Each mm. kids need to be challenged to their level. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's more important. Mm. Not getting everybody to some like arbitrary, because there are some people who, in, who argue against programs like Head Start saying, oh, it's actually widening the gap. So we should not give interventions to everybody. And that like, I don't agree with that, right? Mm. Like, if we know something is going to make even the smartest kids better, like, or help them in some way, of course we should give that, right? Like, it's, that that seems like... Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess, like, hmm. the, I mean, the other thing that we, we, I guess we didn't talk about that much is, like, how much can we actually change these institutions? Mm. Um, So there was... Uh, some really interesting work I read today where they did um, regression discontinuity designs looking at um, what is the effect of getting into a public test school in New York. So these schools are like, you know, highly selective. Their students do incredibly well. And there's, you know, a widespread belief that these schools themselves are, you know, playing a big role in the success of their students. So, um, but uh, so what a regression discontinuity design does is it basically says, well, you know, there's huge selection effects here. They're selecting the most talented students. Therefore, we can't just compare how well do their students do versus people right. who don't go to these schools because yeah. they kind of have selected the most talented students. Right. But what we can do is look at um, how well do the students who just get into these schools do compared to the students who just miss out. 
because mm-hmm. it's it's effectively it's similar to random you know within a small band right on that cut point mm. um whether you get in or you don't get in um and what they show is that there's very little difference between students who just get in and who, students who just miss out so they mm-hmm. estimate that the actual causal effect of the school itself even though it's widely believed to be um such a big deal is is not that much um and this is sort of interpreted as you know further evidence that you know kids they sort of have different levels of ability and they'll sort of end up where they're going to end up uh, almost regardless of um the school they go to but then how do you separate at the individual level your mm. innate ability versus motivation right well i mean motivation could be pretty innate as well right like most psychological variables there's there's a genetic component or genetic component environmental component like probably very little impact of a school but or that indian lady who came to to us for an hour at the start of semester what i I was just saying that like there's a lot of things that are going to shape somebody's motivation the effect of the weird Indian lady who showed up at the start of semester to talk to us for an hour about like growth mindset might be not not one of the most important um, (laughs) factors. But I also just like intuitively, I, this research doesn't quite sit totally right with me either because like I had the experience in high school of, um, I did one year at a private school uh, in, in Melbourne. Mm. Um, And then for my final year of high school, I went back to the country, back to Wangaratta. And I just know from experience that those schools are very, very different in how they treat their students and how, like at the private school, so we did this thing called the VCE. So that's that's basically your rank in terms of like where you'll, what university courses you can apply to and stuff like that, your VCE score. It's a score from zero to 100. And they've changed the whole system now, but this is the system as it was when I was in high school. And in at the private school, I did a VCE subject and it was amazing to me because basically you would just take your essay. So I did history. You would take your essay to the teacher and they would like give you notes on it and make you come back with another draft. And then they would give you notes on it and make you come back with another draft Mm. and then another draft and then another draft. And the whole time what they were doing is just shaping your essay to get you a higher VCE score. At at Wangrad High, the public school, I took drafts like to teachers and they were like, oh, Oh, okay, I guess I'll That's read this good. then. Like, it wasn't even expected. It was so much more relaxed and less focused on getting those kids into college and stuff like that. So, like, I would like to see that comparison because I guess I just have a very hard time squaring um, this research that shows little effect of schools beyond innate ability with my own experience in these two different school systems. Yeah, it just doesn't, I mean, schooling definitely, like, has an effect, right? Like, if you are in a school that just exposes you to more things, you know, and yeah, of course, if you have more one-on-one with teachers, like, like a, that has to have an impact, Yeah. right? If you have schools with smaller teacher-to-student ratios and... I wonder if there's a fatal flaw in this regression discontinuity design, too, because the, the what they're comparing is the students who just got in are probably at the bottom of the class... And having all the negative psychological effects on that mm. with students who just missed out, who are probably at the top of the class. Top of the class so in wonder, some other context, yeah. I wonder yeah. if that's a potential methodological issue with that or whether people have thought about that. Anyway, I guess yeah, I... I don't know enough about, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I kind of... I, I agree with you. Like, I want janitors who 
tried their best in school and like like i mean i don't want people to be you know vulnerable to fake news like i want people to have good yeah critical exactly. reasoning so it's so important for our society mm-hmm. and i oh. i i i do i do think there is a conflict though with um with like working class pride and with like um you know, I do think you're asking people to buy into a value system that is not flattering so. to them or their I, families. I, I don't think so. I mean, I grew up in India, right? There's the like most of the country there is like working class or mm. you know like very close to well, it. Like it, but it, and that's what I, it's that's the, and then this brings me to a point where I think so. There's this concept in motivation, like um, academic motivation, that I don't think gets talked about enough. Um, it's called like utility value, um, expectancy value, expectancy value, right? The idea is that f- for you to be motivated to do something, you have to both A, expect to do well in it, right? So you have to think that you can improve or do well. And B, is you have to value it, right? So that you have to, there, it has to be something that's worth doing. You right. have to think that there's, and I think you need both components to feel motivated. Mm. And I think as a culture, unfortunately, we're sort of moving further and further away from the value part, right? Which is what you're saying. There are some people who have just sort of given up on education. Like, this is not something important. This is not something I value. I don't think that if your dad's like a working class person, I, I don't see how that's, like, how is that not, how is that inconsistent mm. with just valuing education? I don't well, see that. Because, okay, so you say so your dad's a working class person. And then, but you sort of say, okay, my dad's working class, but I really want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you not accepted that it's better to go to college than not go to college and that like but wouldn't your dad also say that well like don't want don't parents want their kids to go to college and do I, I think it depends on on the i think it depends on the parent but i i but feel like i've known those parents i feel like i've known people who like that's why they should have gone to college too yeah. you know explicitly rejected that as as a value like rejected going to college as something good or important um and i yeah i mean i but th- that doesn't mean they're right yeah or that most well, people like i i don't think most most parents i think would want their kids to right like again it's it, to me it's just then, so much about okay but like in the united states 40% of people go to college right so like we want the entire country to want to go to college, but then only 40% of people get to go. So then we, you just, the other 60% just have to accept, ah, oh, like there's this thing that would have been great that I really wanted to do that I like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to achieve. Right. I mean, yeah, then we get into like this whole, like how expensive it is to go to college and all this stuff. Let's not even talk about college, at least finish high school. Right. I think that should be the, the sort of minimum, bare minimum for everybody. Um, everybody should want to finish mm. high school and do a good job and learn at least like the minimum skills that you get out of high school. And uh, I think it's important to go to college. And, you know, again, I'm, my opinion is colored by the mm. kind of environment I grew up in, right? Like well, when, where I was growing up, it wasn't even an you, option. I feel like you... I've gotten this idealized vision from you of like growing <sighs> up in India and every kid... Every kid wants to do really well at school, yeah. and it's something like the whole community values and stuff like that. But like, no, but no, but that's what it is. That was that's same, how I grew up. 
But at the same time, India has this like really unique like caste system, and so it's like it, what I what I'm curious about is is that just because you you went to school with people who were like socioeconomically similar to yourself? No. So I think this sort of the the amount of value that's get placed on education is I would say pretty much throughout the country more so even like in certain areas of like more so where i grew up like in the south and stuff people like more than like how much money you make or what your designation is it's more about like what your education level is like that's really like and i mean yeah i I get that india is a completely different context right like when i was growing up we like revered knowledge like it was just this like teach and teachers just generally get a lot of respect in india Mm. again i've taught in india and i I would have like random people on the street, like, oh, you're doing a great service. Like, mm. thank you. Mm. Um, like people, like they really respect teachers and you just generally respect like learning and knowledge. Like if we drop books on the floor when we were kids, you kind of like pick it up and you were like, oh, like, <laughs> like touching it to your head and just, <laughs> right. There's just like so much um, reverence for just gaining knowledge. And I think, I think, more cultures need to move towards that, right? I think there's something about being curious and wanting to learn and mm. that, I, that I think is inherently mm. good, mm. right? And we know that kids like to learn, right? You give like a three-year-old a phone, they'll learn everything about it more than you, right? Mm. Like, so I think we're naturally just inclined to want to learn things, but somehow I, I don't disagree with people that you know, schools are sometimes like these stifling, sterile places that suck like any motivation out of students to want to learn. Um, and I think we just need to try to create better environments for students, for children mm. to be able to. Okay, so this is an interesting example because, like, it's kind of inspiring what you're talking about. Like, you, there's this whole society where like knowledge and learning is revered. Um, but would you also like not admit that Indian society is incredibly classist? I mean, I, my, my experience, I mean, I've, I've dated Indian women and like, (laughs) so my experience is like, and this is, this is a stereotype, but I I think it's rooted in some like real between group differences is that like, there's a huge emphasis in Indian families on like, uh, what's your job? Like how much, how much Mm -hmm. money are you earning? Like you you need to marry a dentist or a doctor or or a surgeon, you know, do you know what I mean? Like there's a, and like just this, like intense past of the caste system is like very like you know there's this intense stratification and stuff like that so i guess what i was saying about like if you do accept these values you're sort of buying into kind of a classist worldview so on one hand it seems great actually no no so here i will sort of disagree because i think there's a difference between valuing education because it will get you a prestigious job which i do think is true for a lot of um like yeah i would not deny that maybe like you know indian like on average might be people just are trying to push their kids to do better in school so that they'll have you know high paying jobs and more prestigious jobs um that's definitely true but I don't think that's true of everybody. Yeah. And I don't think, right, if, if if you value learning for the sake of learning, then I don't think you clash with it. Like, that's not classist. Because everybody, anybody can learn, right? Hmm. 
Yeah. No, but it's it's sort of coexisting with a lot of classism, I would say, and I, I may be in, inseparable in some ways. But I think, like, I, I got really, when we were going to talk about this, I got really interested in thinking about it because, like, I think that, like, my experience, like, growing up in a very working-class community and going to school with these kids who were kind of, mm-hmm. like, very rejecting of, like, the yeah. value of academia is I'm not even sure that exists in the U.S. necessarily. Like, that could really be, like, quite an Australian thing. Uh, like, honestly, I don't know. And don't know one thing that makes me think that is, like, like one of the sort of iconic American scenes to me, I think, is when a poor kid gets into college, you know, like, and they open the letter and the whole family is just fucking cheering and like there's tears and it's this amazing thing. Oh my God, you're going to college. It's the first person in our family that's going to college. First gen student. This is amazing. Mm. Like I defy anybody to find a similar like video in Australia. Like that's, it's not, that's not a thing. Like I don't think, I just don't think working class communities in Australia buy in nearly as much Mm. to like going to college being this amazing life-changing thing. And I think part of that. Yeah. Cause weren't they all criminals to begin with? Right. <laughs> part of that <laughs> may be that actually in Australia, working class people can earn like a shit ton of money. Like mm-hmm. if you learn a trade, uh, if you're like a carpenter or a plumber or something like there's really, really lucrative opportunities available to working class people in, in Australia. And I, but that, I, that's, I, I, that's true for the U S as well, right? Being a plumber or being a, yeah, may, maybe, I don't know, but like, yeah, I, I guess it is. It must be. So why? And Andrew Yang sort of talked about this. Like, why is everybody obsessed with going to college? Mm. We actually need more people just to go, well, I can make just as much money, if not more, by doing an apprenticeship and becoming a carpenter. But that's just not in the U.S. sort of mindset, it seems. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, we do need more craftsmen. We need, yeah. But I, I like, yeah. I, I just, I just don't think that you, you. I think you can both value education and still say, hey, maybe it's not for me, or hey, maybe my interests lie somewhere else, right? Mm. I don't think you have to sort of just, you know, mm. not buy into this whole mm. because. Yeah. Yeah, like I, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not a very good singer, uh, but I I really wanted to sing. And, I, and so, yeah. I, like, I tried really hard, and I was, like, the singer of um, a, ba- a, a band for a little while. I did yeah, end up, I mean, like, taking lessons. Nice. Um, I mean, we should mention our intro music is, mm, that's you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the outro music. Um, and the outro music. Yeah, yeah. So, you, the band, my band was called Wildcat General Strike. You can look it up. <laughs> it's still on, um, not SoundCloud, what's uh, Bandcamp. You can still find it on Bandcamp. Anyway, um, but yeah, like I eventually have accepted that I'm not very good at that. And I like, I already kind of did, had to accept that. Um, but I still, sure, but I guess, value it. And I look up to people who are good at it. Um, and then that's what I mean about, you know, just like encouraging kids to be curious for the sake of being curious or wanting to do things for the sake, right? Like you don't have to be the best at something to want to do something, mm. right? I'm not that great a singer either, but I like sing whenever I get a chance because it's fun. Like the same with dancing, right? There's some mm. things I think you should do for the sake of it. Yeah. Learning, singing, dancing, right? Like just sort of growing in some way. Yeah, but I mean... And I've heard people say things like, oh, you know, like I started learning bridge, but I knew I could never get, like it was obvious I wasn't going to get good at it. So I just stopped. 
Yeah. And that, but the first stakes of all, are much I lower, think, right? Like, I mean, yeah. singing is not what society is doling out, like the, the good life based on. True, true. But that might be but, a good place. To, I mean, we've been talking for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to, yeah, thanks, Daniel, again. Thanks, everybody that downloaded it. Yeah, and thank you um, for listening. It feels like, like the pressure on us to, like, come up with interesting things to talk about each week has ratcheted up a little bit. Nah, I, you know, I'll, I'll say the same thing. I think doing things for the sake of doing things because we enjoy it is, is mm. worth it, right? Like, I like talking to you. I think we have good conversations. Um, yeah, as long as we're having fun, I think that, that's all that matters. Ah, awesome. Nice. Nice, <laughs> good endpoint. That really encapsulates your, your philosophy. And I think I agree. Yeah, good. I, I'm glad I'm bringing you around, Paul. Slowly but surely. All right, cool. Well, I guess that'll do it. Um, Yeah. Talk to you next week. Yeah, talk to you next week. And if you have any comments about this, yeah, please tweet at us or send us an email at moreofacomment at gmail.com or we're on Twitter at moreofcomment. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us if we're wrong. Come talk to us. Moreofcomment, yeah. More of. (laughs) What happened to A? I think it was taken. Oh, okay. More of comment. I yeah, I've heard you say that before, and I'm like, is she just saying it? Is she just no. Okay. All right. Well, oh, talk nice. to you soon, Paul. Bye. Bye.